What's going to come out of this? What's going to change? What's going to be considered that new normal? So what happens in one month or two months? You know, I'm telling my IT folks that, you know, not to just sprint because they're all running like crazy right now. I'm telling them to say, hey, this could take two months. It could take three months. The way that this changes so dynamically every day, that's where things get a little bit chaotic and mistakes are going to be made. How do you change what you're doing and fix that mistake? Or how do you recover from that mistake? Welcome to the CIO Exchange Podcast. I'm Dean Porter de Leon. Today's special episode was recorded via conference call during the COVID-19 crisis, in which most people have been ordered to shelter in place. We brought together Paul Green, CIO of Angel MedFlight, a medical emergency aviation company, and Basque Iyer, CIO and Chief Digital Transformation Officer of VMware, to discuss their perspectives on the effects that the crisis is having on business from a technology leadership as well as a human perspective. Basque and Paul provide visibility into how they are navigating the new landscape of global uncertainty while keeping their minds on the things that are truly most important, the people. Paul Basque, thanks for joining uh, the conversation, especially under the circumstances for those who are listening to this. Um, uh, I'm one of the many people in the San Francisco Bay Area who was required to shelter in place um, during the COVID-19 crisis and wanted to sort of get your each of your um, points of view, especially um, in the current climate. And of course, we're talking uh, via Zoom because we can't get everyone in the studio because uh, many of us are, sh- are sheltered in place. Bask, when we start off with you, actually, what's what's your current situation? Just, I mean, just physically. I, I, I mean, this is, of course, you know, conversation around technology and leadership and uh, and the human, but let's, I'd like to start with the human element. Maybe Bask, give me a sense of where you're at. Are you sheltered in place right now? Yeah, I'm sitting in my son's room. With guitars all around me, <laughs> it's a new way of working for me. So uh, yeah, it, it is. We, we are sheltered in as well. I'm at home, and uh, I didn't realize how much I miss people and coming into work. Um, You're a people person, aren't yeah. you, Basque? Yeah, I am. I am. So it's very. It's a struggle for me. Why I love Zoom and love all the collaboration technology we've done. You know, so that's where we are, we are. And just the top of the mind is, uh, you know, uh, our folks, as you know, are are really productive. I mean. The, touch wood so far you know we've switched almost overnight to virtual meetings virtual all hands virtual sales kickoffs virtual customer briefings and so on and the technology and the architecture and things we put up up, uh, is holding up very well so that's the good news yeah the concern for me is you know we can all say we're all doing well you know we can all work from home we have the ipads and and the dell computers and phones and so on i'm really concerned about people who cannot work from home so I don't think we should get carried away by how wonderful tech is and how great things are. I'm worried about, you know, the receptionist who's probably worried if he or she would be able to um, get back into work. Will she get the job? Will we find a way to virtualize her and replace her? I mean, all those thoughts go into people's minds. So I'm a little, you know, I'm already moved on from let's take care of the business to, you know, let's think about other people who are not likely be able to work from home as easily as we have been able to. So that's yeah. kind of where my thoughts are now. No, I got to understand that. And Paul, um, where are you at right now, Paul? What's your situation? Uh, I'm at my home office. Um, generally, we are still working in the office. We do have a combination of employees that are at home working from home. We have a couple of people that are on a, a restricted 14-day quarantine because they were on cruises or they were on London. We've got them you know, sequestered. But yeah, I'm, I'm home today. I had a contractor out at my house. I had a small water leak. We have a, a rain issue here uh, last few days. My ceiling collapsed. 
Oh, so wow. Home. Uh, yeah, I know this. I mean, real stuff that normally happens just randomly throughout your life is happening now on top of the crisis. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And pretty much everything. Yeah. You know, people's lives don't stop. I was having a conversation yesterday and someone's like, I don't have anything to do. I'm working from home. And I'm like, you still have a regular job. Wow. You know, working from home does not stop what you are doing. You know, it's just a different place to operate. And I think for some, like Bass was saying, I love people. Being in the office, you know, going and interacting with those people, I think you have much better productive conversations in person. It's really hard to get the sentiment of what somebody is doing or their body language when you're on a Zoom or a WebEx. I want you to tell me straight to my face. <laughs> it makes it so much easier. It's not bad, though. I worked from home Monday, Tuesday. I was on a 19-day, you know, trip around the world. Got back late Saturday night. Worked from home Monday, Tuesday. Went into the office yesterday. You know, what we do is really not a work-from-home type scenario. We do operate worldwide, but it doesn't necessarily mean that like those people in the office have the ability to work from home. And I think that it's tough because you've got, we've got those non-essential employees that we have at home. And then we have those, you know, super essential employees that keep the business running and keep all those aircraft in the air and keep all those patients' lives saved in whatever case may be. And those people work in an office, you know, they have to work in an office, that collaborative environment that that provides. And then the sensitivity of the data that we're sharing that has to take place in a secure office environment. We couldn't have that at somebody who's sitting at home. It's just not really a feasible scenario. Yeah, no, that's not everyone's perspective. So let me let me say, I know there's a lot of things that are on your mind, but I want to pose this to both you, Basque and Paul. From a human standpoint, and both of you alluded to this a bit, what is that human element you know, for you, for your team, for the people that you care about, for the people that you're interacting with on a daily basis? basis. What's the, what's the top of mind thing as you're waking up in the morning thinking about those individuals? It starts personally, Paul. I'm sure it's like this. It starts very personally first. You know, my kids are quarantined. They are working out of San Francisco. They don't want to come home because they don't want to infect us. You know, That's so they're sitting in their homes by themselves. My parents are, you know, a million miles away and they are pretty old. And, you know, so uh, I hope that nothing happens to them. And so many people scared, not sure what, what is going on. So all those things come to, to my mind. Is I think we have to unify and let the scientists and the doctors and healthcare professionals address it the right way and, and you know not make it ugly, political, racist. I see all that scene and that, that all is not um, making me comfortable. <laughs> Right. We need to give the scientists, the, the people who know most about it, time to respond and, and help us. And we need to cooperate and collaborate right now. So that's the first thought is, yeah, there's personal things involved. The second thing is, as leaders and so on, you know, you shouldn't be panicky. I mean, I, I, I'm reminded of the show 24, if you remember that. You know, that's how the, the life is for our yeah. CIO these days, especially this week, is it's not going to be all perfect. We all work. We also work from home, but now we are working exclusively from home and doing extraordinary things. So a lot of things are not going to go the way you expected because we did a lot of things right to test the contingency and so on, but not, you know, we, can, we cannot test every scenario. So can you stay calm because it's not just the CIO, it's a whole team that is important and the, actually the team is doing the work, the IT teams and so on. So you need to be supportive and they should feel comfortable and confident that the leader is engaged and concerned and caring and so on. And you can't fake it, right? That has to be authentic. So that is the first. Second thought is the first responders, if you will, uh, and it's not Paul, it's, I don't want to belittle it, but your first responders and the firefighters and so on, they live a very dangerous life. But, you know, to me, the IT folks now are the first responders, more or less, because they are trying to make everybody else productive. And so you got to make sure they don't get burnt out. You know, they are supported. You know, they don't get abused. 
while they're trying to do the right thing. So I'm just backing my team 100%, making sure they make decisions, they're empowered to make decisions, and they have to know that I'm behind them. Even if they make mistakes, it's okay. So those are the kind of things. So, so you asked me, why am I so calm? Yeah, you got to be very calm if, if you yeah. panic. You know, you A, make mistakes, and, and B, the troops get really rattled. No, absolutely. I, I completely agree with that. Everybody calls me and assumes because I work in a healthcare environment that, like, I know. And I'm like, <laughs> so first of all, no, I don't. And second of all, stop watching the news. Every single channel that you watch gives a different take on what's going on. And I've just been sending out people. I, I've saved a link on my cell phone to the CDC's website, and I just text it to people when they ask me questions or they call me. Let me text you something. Follow this. Stop listening to whatever anybody else says. Just follow the CDC and you're going to be fine. Everybody is so panicked about all these various things, like this toilet paper craze that's happening. It's intense. It's, it's like, the struggle is real. Yeah, and of all the things that you're going to hoard, toilet paper is the first thing that comes to your mind. I'm like, I want to eat. Yeah. I'm not. That's like the that would have been the last thing on my mind. There's so many more important things to worry about. Worrying if you could feed your kids. You know, all these. There's just so much that you can worry about that's different. One thing that's been unique with Angel MedFlight is there's no panic. I've been a CIO for going on 16 years, and I've prepared for this moment my whole life. You're always worried about your BCP plan. What's your disaster recovery? What shocks me is even today in the year 2020, so many people I've talked to don't have one. They don't have a plan. And I know Basque has to have had, you know, for his, what, 20 or 30 years of experience, he's always had a backup plan. There's never the time when you don't. And it blows my mind that some of these really large companies and even some government agencies are like, we don't really have a true backup scenario. And it's like, how do you not? How did you not prepare your company? And not necessarily to support your customer, but also to support your employees, because you're the more you can support your employees and the better you're taking care of them and the more you're supporting them, the better they're going to be set up to support your customer. And at the end of the day, your customer is going to be taken care of if you're taking care of your employees. I was asked a lot, Oh, what are you doing for the customer? Nothing. I don't need to do anything for the customer because I know that we've done the right thing by our employees. And by default, that means they're going to take care of our customer. Sure, we've put out a couple of things, which is a safety update for COVID-19, things like that. But at the end of the day, when you make sure that your employees are taken care of and they're supported and everything that comes with that is done, right? your customer is going to be taken care of. And it's a non-issue, you know, at the end of the day. And it's terrible to have to say that you've been preparing for the worst your entire life, but you just really do. As a CIO, you're just always, you've always got that backup plan. You've always got that redundant internet connection. You know, what I don't think that people prepared for was the suddenness and the way that this changes so dynamically every day. That's where things get a little bit chaotic and mistakes are going to be made. But I mean, I think every... That's just part of the territory in this situation that mistakes are going to be made. And you just need to understand how do you change what you're doing and fix that mistake or how do you recover from that mistake? And you're going to be better for it at the end of the day. But it's that whole time period. is It's, it's just been a little bit tough, I think, for a lot of people because this is unheard of. Even 9-11 had nothing remotely close to this. 
And you think that the biggest threat is really the people that don't have plans? Because, I mean, one thing that you mentioned, too, is that people had discovered disaster recovery, redundancy. And, Basque, you had mentioned, you know, this as well, sort of the preparedness piece, too. But, I mean, a lot of those plans, you still imagine that people would be able to stand in front of each other and shake hands and be in the same room. And that's not the case here. As you think one of the biggest threats, you know, facing organizations is they just haven't prepared for something of this nature. They have backup plans of discovery or DR plans or whatever those are, but they they don't factor in people not being able to be in the same place or in the office. So this is like playing major league, right? You can play practice, you can go to batting cage, you know, and hit the 90 mile hard balls and so on. All, all that you have to do. Uh, a lot of people did it and a few people have not and it's showing up. But then, you know, you're going to go face a you know fast pitch from the Yankees. That's a completely different <laughs> matter altogether. And exactly. So we, we had planned, if you look at the positive side, the reason a lot of companies are even productive, you know, there are some companies who are almost dead in water, but there are a lot of companies that are productive, is the heroes and heroines in, in IT. So I want to shout out not just the CIOs, a lot of folks who have spent diligently a lot of time, and people did not understand why these guys are asking money for a VPN or money for bandwidth or money for multi-cloud or, or uh, you know, um, um, video conferencing, you know, this IT is a money pit, all these people who are questioning all that. Now when we come out of this virus situation and when we are all good and calm, and we are safe, they should go and hug their IT person, okay? <laughs> there we go. And I totally agree. <laughs> there we go. And, and I, want a, I want a real intimate hug, not a, you know, whatever, a simple hug. I want him to be. Yeah. Because yeah. I think, you know. Ralph doesn't want was, that pat on the back. <laughs> I have no pat on the back. I don't want money. I want you to go and hug my people, you know, everybody individually. Because once, once it's clean, because, you know, listen, how many times, you know, our articles have been written on CIO should do this, CIO should do this. So let's look at the positive. A lot of companies are effective. So that's one good thing. Now, the thing with the backup and redundancy plan is only as good as you test them, right? So some people have written it for a regulatory reason or do a checkbox and you haven't really tested it. So now you have an opportunity to really test it and, uh, you know, then you find out it doesn't work. Secondly, uh, the more important part of that is, you know, no matter what redundancy and plans you do, you need, you cannot have lack of leadership, right? So the people need to know that there's a leader behind them, backing them, like I mentioned, you know, it's delegated leadership. I honestly cannot be in every place, in every city, in every location, every closet, and so on. So you have to trust a lot of issues with local teams. So I think it's a good test for leadership. So I have a feeling that boards and, you know, if you look at the future, this would be a good time to look at your IT leaders and see, you know, they become your sergeants for all these kinds of emergency things. You know, so I, I think you're going to have some really interesting uh, career opportunities and board looking at your IT folks for a lot of these kind of leadership. You know, and one more thing, Paul, I want you to have your opinion on this. Is I think IT has come beyond a time of just providing technology and, and so on a long time back. It's very, very important for people to know that the most important thing that's running the company now is technology, right? Oh, the reason absolutely. you even have 80% productivity, 90% productivity, and you can work from home is technology. So most companies, I'm hoping, think of IT as a, you know, mission critical, the central nervous system of the company, which, uh, you know, people, you know, talk about it, but they don't really consider it. I don't know, Paul, what's your opinion on that? Oh, I totally agree. I mean, at my old company, I was at a public company. IT was always kind of brushed off. It's like this secondary thing that nobody really cared about. It was like, a, oh, I got to have this. It wasn't until I moved into my new company and we started talking about different things and we had set this goal. It's like, how are you going to do this? I mean, we're going to do this with technology. And it was the first time that I was at a company where the CEO, like, 
embrace the fact that we are going to build a company solely based on technology to do our job. There's a lot of companies. VMware is solely based on doing, you know, building their company on technology. I mean, that's all it is. And the one great thing that I think that like certain companies like a VMware have that like I even I don't have, which I wish I did, you guys issue everybody a laptop regardless. There's no such thing as a desktop within the VMware infrastructure. It just doesn't exist. It's like, you want a what? No, no, that's so 2014. Let me get <laughs> We have it. We have it, Paul. It's virtual. We do oh, have yeah, it. Yeah. Virtual. Exactly. <laughs> I was on a... I was on a call with someone in similar, and they were talking about the work from home pod and like, and, and we let people take their, their desktop, like towers. I'm like, people have desktop towers. How do you get that from home? Exactly. It's like, holy cow. And, but you guys have this opportunity that you already had a work from home inherently built into your infrastructure. So your guys's process of going to a work from home is so much easier. And I won't name a name, but I'm taught, I was talking to a really, I mean, worldwide huge corporation the other day. And they're like, we're deploying laptops as fast as we can. We'll have support back up and running. We're sending everybody home. And I'm like, what do you guys have? You know, <laughs> what were you doing before? We have desktops for all of our employees that we know cannot work from home. All the employees that can work from home all have a laptop. They all have an external monitor. We have allowed those employees during this time that are non-essential, they've taken their monitor, they've taken everything home so they can have a true at-home working scenario. I'm so not worried about hardware anymore. Like before, if this was three years ago, I'd be like, oh my God, I've got this hardware situation that is so hard to get, then deploy, get all the software on it. Now I can hand you any piece of hardware, you log into it, and you're up and running in minutes, you know? And I think that that's really changes a lot for a lot of employees. And one of the things that we've done, you know, with our Workspace ONE deployment is a lot of those applications that are aviation-based are, they're very archaic. And they only run on either Citrix or they only run on Windows. All that is like just a mess. And so all we did was just build some virtual servers that these things run on and everybody connects to them you know, via remote desktop, you know, they don't even know that they're doing that. You know, they're in a scenario now where I don't have to worry about the application being installed on this workstation, which is what we were worrying about before because everything aviation is very old. When you ask them, oh, can you update this? And they're like, why would we? Because it's the year 2020, man. I just, I want this to be easy. Can it be yeah. like a web app? But, you know, they, they're not like that. It's all client server based you know, products. And so like we had to really change our own infrastructure, our own way, just to support legacy products that we know aren't going to change rapidly. And especially when something has to be approved by the FAA, the importance and the safety aspects behind that do not denote that this really quick change, unlike a VMware or like an us, mm -hmm. I'm ready to change tomorrow. You show me a new piece of technology and I know it's going to save me time and I know it's going to be better for my employees. I'm all over it. It, it enables the business and increases productivity. And, and exactly. And you, know? you realize a lot of those business outcomes that you're looking to do. Both of you, Bask and Paul, you both touched on something that I think is really powerful here. It really, really fascinates me because it's something that's happening right now because no, this situation has not happened in our lifetimes. A light is being shown 
on all the situations, whether it's production, whether it's cultural, whether it's the trust, the level of trust that employees have with their companies, a light is being shown now on all of these different uh, environments. And things that used to be able to be swept under the rug are no longer swept under the rug. Things that were put off to next quarter or next year are now being highlighted as, why didn't we do this? How is that light now changing everyone's point of view from a business and operations standpoint now that this stuff isn't swept under the rug? We know who did it right. We know who did it wrong. We know where we messed up. Nothing is in in the back room anymore. Everything's front and center. If this hasn't changed people's perspective on how important (laughs) IT is in their organization, I don't know what would. If you have not already designed your entire infrastructure behind a virtual environment and this doesn't change your idea that you need to go virtual, I don't know what would. And what's mind-blowing to me is, you know, if you look at, and I don't know the exact numbers, and Bass probably does because this is, you know, this actually his only job, is how many Fortune 500 companies are not virtual right now with their servers and their infrastructure and things like that. I know companies right now that I can go to here in the Phoenix area that still have old-fashioned servers. And if this doesn't change your idea that you should have a virtual environment that your employees can access anywhere from any device, I don't know what will. Also, sorry, Paul. I, I also was thinking about, there's several other things that I thought about. This this uh, market has changed. Clearly, you know, multi-cloud become a marketing term, but now people say, oh my God, I put it all in one cloud. And what if this provider goes down? It's going to scare the hell out of people. You thought that would never happen. So now it's a reality is, so lucky, even I thought about, oh my, I thank God my apps are, my SaaS app. First of all, I have cloud, but I have multiple clouds. So if my email goes down, I have another way of using Zoom or something else to communicate. If, if that goes down, I have three more options. My sales is on in a cloud. My my HR is on a cloud, and then my my own infrastructure is on you know all the public clouds and so on. So we build some redundancies uh, through that. So some people are going to look and say, my how much of it is this with one provider with one vendor, etc. The second thing is, you know, this sounds a little bad, but, you know, I don't have several monitors. I didn't want, I, I mean, I'm living in a small apartment uh, in uh, in Bay Area because it's expensive as hell <laughs> to, to get anything bigger. So I can't fit too many big <laughs> monitors and stuff. No, I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not looking for sympathy votes. I'm just saying this is crazy here. So I have my, my Dell laptop I can show you. I'm doing this video on, on an iPad and I, I stole my wife's Android device because I'm watching news and my phone. <laughs> Etc. All sitting next to me, and and it's all working. And I, and I, you know, I, I know it's working. So the multiple device, you know, you're gonna use whatever the hell you have in front of you, and it should work seamlessly. I think that it becomes important. And and thirdly, you know, you need to have you know the, the, the two or three things have changed forever. I'm an old-fashioned person, like I said before. I like to come into work, meet people, greet people, and so on. But the conversation I had with our CEO just about an hour ago was. Why should we add any more footprint, real estate footprint? We seem to have figured out how to operate this. You know, so if you perfect this, we don't have to get rid of our real estate, but do we have to double our real estate and so on? Can I think work dot two just happened, Paul? And you know, oh, we've yeah. been talking about it, it just happened yesterday or two days ago. Oh yeah. I think that yeah. that whole like idea of, you know, where your employee has to reside. And we we literally had, I was actually having this conversation with Yadine is if your employee's environment and your culture within your company is not strong, that's when you have those employees that work from home that aren't doing anything. You know, but inherently, if you're an employee of mine and you're working from home, you need to be just as productive at home as you were at the office. And I think that's about culture. That's not something that you can make up. That is, that is starts right at the top. That is inherently built into your the culture of your company that starts with your CEO, 
and not, you know, always looking over somebody's shoulder, but giving them the opportunity to, you know, do what they need to do. It's really interesting because if you wanted to build a company 10 years ago, you went out and you bought the biggest building you could possibly build to shove as many people in every floor as you possibly could do. Now it's more of who needs to be together to work and who does not. And I'm a put everybody in the building kind of guy. Like I want everybody in the building. I want to be able to walk up to them. If I want to be able to say good job or whatever that is, or if I want to have a call a meeting, I can do that. Now, if you're not there, I have to get you all on a Zoom and I can't go, you know, it's it's very impersonal. But at the same time, I think that there's plenty of jobs out there that this works for. I just had this and I won't name the name, but I have a package situation that because um, I was out of the country and they wouldn't deliver it to me. And every person I talked to was offshore. And every person, you know, you could tell that there's noise in the background and they work in like a big call center. If you're in the U.S. and you're a company and you're a help desk whether, or a customer service desk, there is no reason why that person can't be like me and Basque today, just sitting at home trying to figure out how to get all their technology to work or, man, I need a bigger monitor. There's no reason that they couldn't be. Reducing your footprint on building space actually opens up so much cash that I think that it allows your company to do a lot of other things that ordinarily they wouldn't have done and or maybe not have pushed forward as quickly. Product lines, that especially like if Basque is looking at a product line and, oh, should we do this or should we go after this multi-cloud? If you reduced half your physical footprint, the amount of cash just opens up dramatically. And then I think it gives you the opportunities you didn't. Also, too, with pay, I mean, imagine an environment where you can offset what you would have maybe had to go offshore to now you can afford those employees because they can work from home because the environments are like that. And I can have gigabit at my house on fiber for a hundred bucks a month, which allows me to run my TV. It allows me to do everything, you know, cable, all that stuff is kind of going away because it can all be delivered. You know, you got 5g is starting to come out and, and these are, technologies that are literally going to change the landscape of the world because there's so much stuff that you can now do that you couldn't even do two years ago. Where do you, where do you see the fragility? Because there's a lot of people that are having just, you know, supply chain issues, they're having process issues, uh, organizational issues. Um, and where do you see that the biggest fragility in sort of the, from a global, sticking step back from a global landscape, do you see it as, you know, the internet is good and it's enabler, but there's some problems with it? Or you just see that, you know, anyone who just hasn't embraced that digital experience and hasn't transformed that's where that we're seeing that fragility or do you think there's it's yeah give me give me your perspective it, on it is and, and and even if you're a software company and even if you're running on cloud the cloud has to run somewhere it doesn't run on vapor right it runs on hardware i thought it and, it's, it's the cloud the cloud is <laughs> yeah. it's the cloud and for your audience i want to just tell them hey it doesn't run on ether yet we're not there yet it still needs a box somewhere still, i thought, I thought servers died data. i thought servers they're serverless now. So servers are dead now <laughs> well so, yeah, yeah we're not. dead for you the company but not for the person who's actually running them <laughs> yeah, yeah. i know they have a lot of servers and uh, but anyway I, you know we are on a few boards and i'm on a few boards and advisory and the kind of questions we are asking the ceo now is what is your disaster recovery why are you sort it from one country. What's your disaster? So you're going to say you're going to let the whole country or whole company go if you cannot get servers or hardware? Certain obvious questions are being asked, and I'm sure more board members are going to ask and say, you know, so that's your single source from one place, and what happens if something happens there? So these obvious questions should have been asked are being asked. So I think we're going to look at, there's going to be some, you know, some disruptions in supply chain because we've all made our career on how do you 
push the supply chain to the farthest parts of the world and how do you optimize the cost of the bill of materials and how do you do shipping and all the other kind of stuff with ERPs. And people are saying, okay, that's all good. That's a good exercise. But, uh, you know, why can't you make it a lights out factory somewhere five miles from here or 10 miles from here? And, you know, uh, what about alternative places? So that discussion is going to happen. Like I said, work.2.0 has happened. Uh, and then secondly is... Uh, you know, a lot of the, you know, Paul mentioned regulatory, you know, we have still some very outdated kind of regulatory practices in, in several countries and, and including ours. And like like some countries, you cannot you cannot participate on board meetings without physically being there. There's You cannot do a video conference. The countries are changing laws right now because they don't want you to go and travel for a board meeting. They said, for, for, you know, for God's sake, just get on Zoom. So they're changing laws to allow these kind of video conferencing and things to happen. So you're going to see some regulatory changes where people are saying, "Why do I have to get there again? You know, why can't why why did, why can't this be a you know online meeting? Why can't this be virtual?" So, those kind of questions, because of this crisis, I'm, you know, unfortunately, it's going to change a lot of uh, the way regulatory bodies work, and and hopefully they don't just do it for a short term. You know, I mean, they're now changing laws, so things can be fast tracked. But I hope they don't make an exception. They kind of look and say, what are the regulatory things that are necessary to prevent people from, you know, health and terrorism and so on? And what are the things that have just been vestiges from, you know, last century, if you will? So that's going to be interesting to watch. The last thing is also is, listen, I, I feel like we are in for, so what happens in one month or two months? You know, in, this could take a few weeks. We don't want to just, uh, I'm telling my IT folks, that, you know, not to just sprint because they're all running like crazy right now. I'm telling them to say, hey, this could take two months. It could take three months. You need to pace yourself a little bit and say this could be the new norm for all you know. So, you know, make sure that you don't get so flat out in the first five days and you have no energy to run. So that could be a new reality for a longer time. And it's going to reset a few things for us from an you know economy standpoint. You know, a lot of companies have lost a lot of values. You got to go through a period of time when IT is you know cost efficient, highly productive. Some of the investments and other kind of things will will definitely slow down. I mean, I don't think people are going to go as fast next quarter on investments that are more futuristic because now they're going to look at what can I do today to make myself more productive, more reliable, etc. And then. One or two quarters, they're going to look at ways to optimize this because we got to make a recovery, right? I mean, we look at all the share prices of companies, and it's, it's uh, pretty scary for people with 401k and, and plans yeah. like that. To yeah, it is. yeah, I think the biggest thing that nobody is really talking about yet, and they will, is as crazy as this is for the next, you know, two weeks or maybe it's four weeks. I don't think that the ripple effect has happened yet. I think that all this stuff that everybody is like, oh my God, it's so bad right now. Think about what's going to happen after the fact. Exactly. I mean, that's what really fascinates me. What is what is going to be the result of this? What's going to be the new normal, Paul? Uh, I don't we don't know. even know. Do we know? Be, but I can tell you from an IT perspective, I think that a lot of heads are going to roll just from the aspect that they companies were not necessarily as prepared as they thought they were or they thought they thought they had this working for them or they thought, or they misunderstood it. I think a lot of CEOs probably misunderstood what a BCP plan was, you know, their business continuity plan or their recovery or their you know, disaster plan was because a lot of those plans, like we were talking about earlier, were solely designed to keep their building up and running and the people in it. Yeah. None of them were designed 
to keep their employees at home and to still function. And, you know, maybe this lasts a month, but think about all of the work that's going to have to take place and all the decisions that are going to have to be made after the fact to really rethink what these companies are doing from an IT perspective. So they can then say, hey, let's look at this differently. Let's build our business continuity plan for this work from home scenario, should it happen again? And let's build it for this, you know, whatever that is for those individual companies. But I don't think this ends in three weeks from an IT perspective. I think this is going to take years to unravel and to figure out what needs to be done to prepare some of these companies for what could can be considered, you know, a new normal. What if this is not the only time that this happens? And as bad as that is to say, then I would hate for it to happen again. You do have to prepare for this now because it has happened. A lot of stuff changed after 9-11. A lot of things happen, you know, especially like airport travel and stuff like that. All of that changed. So now what's going to come out of this? What's going to change? What's going to be considered that new normal? Our company is going to realize like, wow, I really don't need six stories in this building. I really only need three because I have half my staff can work from home and it's cheaper for them and it makes more sense. But then what happens to the real estate market for all of those buildings and all that other stuff that is no longer going to be occupied because people realize, holy cow, this 2.0 working from home situation actually works really, really well for certain people. Yeah, so exactly. I, I think that there's those ripples of, that are going out right now. They're just starting. Um, and based on the decisions that you're talking about making with your organizations, those decisions are going to then have their own ripple effects and, and no one really can has visibility into that. What's what, yeah, exactly. what do you, what do you think is, you know, is, is something that that's holding a lot of those teams or a lot of companies back now do all of the technology leaders have all the fodder, they have the momentum, they have the reason to say, hey, look at, and they point at their infrastructure, the, the culture and the policies and say, look at, this is what we've been talking about for years. Now you see why it was so necessary. Do they have that ammunition now? I, I think that they do. And I think that one of the big things that, this is going to be a hard pill to swallow because I one of the big things I think a lot of either CIOs or company cultures are based off of is the fact that you work in an office. I mean, since the Industrial Revolution in the United States, you work in an office. That's how it is. I go to work every day. And that's a big change. How do you change that? And how do you put that person who has notoriously always gone into the office and put them in a work-from-home situation and then expect them to be productive? How does all of that work? How do you really change your operations so that that can work? But then at the same time, how are you putting into perspective what the value of working together is. I really thrive on going to the office, talking to people, interacting with people. That's part of my day. Yeah. You know? and, well, and there's some people that are required by law to actually oh, yeah. be there. And that's the, that's a tough thing for some people. Yeah. Oh yeah. You got laws, you got regulations. Like for instance, air traffic controllers by law are required to be in a tower that they're controlling from. I'm just, I'm glad that nobody's in their PJs, you know, watching daytime TV in air traffic control. I just want to say that I'm happy about Oh, that. I agree. I agree. <laughs> you know, there was a thing, you know, what they do and the way that they do it and how they do it is so incredibly crucial and so incredibly important to every single person's life that it needs to stay the way that it is. You're never going to have the app, the work from home firefighter. What's yeah, that's to going to be tough. It's going to be tough. You when, like your house is burning. You're standing in front and you're just, you get a FaceTime, you know, from the firefighters and yeah. say, okay, first step, grab your hose. And oh like, yeah. Oh yeah. Or they're like, Oh, Got to get in my car and then I race to the fire where one guy's already got the truck there and then they all, you know. Yeah. 
that's just it's that's implausible so like i i don't know if every environment or every job scenario has this work 2.0 scenario ready for it but i think it's going to be very drastically different after this i think a lot of people are realizing like holy cow this works and this can work you know and i'm interested it is it's going to be fascinating what the reaction is too i'm very fast i'm very fascinated with the emphasis that a CEO is going to put on IT and how much more money they are going to allow IT to spend to be innovative, to change the to change the status quo. I want to change the status quo in everything that I do. I want to always push a boundary. I always want to be innovative. And I want to make an employee work twice as hard but not feel like they've worked twice as hard because that's productivity. That's going to be for everybody because now you have to really change your fundamental structure of how your company works through technology possibly what happens when now you had to become more innovative? What's that next product that we haven't even thought about yet that's going to come out of this? It's like, holy cow, I don't know how I ever lived without it. Yeah. You know? I think that's coming. Yeah, we're, we're, we're in for some interesting days ahead, and we're going to see where it goes. This was a great conversation. Paul, Basque, thank you both for joining the CIO Exchange podcast. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the CIO Exchange podcast. For more conversations with technology leaders from around the world, consider subscribing to this podcast. And to get video perspectives and deep research, visit vmware.com slash CIO.